From Pennsylvania Avenue to Main Street, Scott Inez tackles the hot topics like only he can. It's time for Inez Says. Hey there, welcome back to the Inez Says podcast. I am Scott Inez. Thanks so much for joining me today here on the pod. Hey, if you like what you hear, tell a friend. You can find the podcast most everywhere you find your podcast, including the WDBO app, WDBO.com. You can find it in Spotify as well. If you'd like to hear me on the radio, I'm there every day. Orlando's News at Noon on WDBO, 107.3 FM and AM 580 in Orlando. Outside of Orlando, you can check it out right there in the WDBO app. Okay, so earlier this week, An anniversary came and went, and I must admit to you, it slipped my mind. Now, this is very unlike me. It totally slipped my mind. Now, maybe it's the whole glossy-eyed pandemic thing, but for whatever reason, I just zoned out on this anniversary. Luckily, my guy, Nick Grenowitz, a.k.a. Nicky Football, live local and loud fame on WDBO every night at 7 p.m., he reminded me in our on-air chat on Monday night And if he didn't do that, I probably would have missed it. Monday, February 22nd was the 41st anniversary of the miracle on ice. The day that the U.S. hockey team beat the heavily favored Soviet Union 1980 Winter Olympics. I know you're probably familiar with it. But for those of us who witnessed it or old enough to have witnessed it, or frankly, even for those of you who have seen the movie Miracle, by the way, best sports movie ever, you know how impactful that one event, that one game, that one team was for our entire nation. And it really was more than just a hockey game in Lake Placid. Look, I know many of you probably don't know the game of hockey. You don't need to. You don't need to when you're talking about the Miracle on Ice in 1980 because it was so much more than a hockey game. To understand the impact on our nation you first have to understand the times in which we were living at back in the late 70s and into 1980. Times that, in a way, frankly, kind of mirror what we're going through as a nation right now. I mean, today we're all trying to get through this malaise known as the COVID pandemic. I mean, you guys know it's it's been very, very difficult over the last year dealing with this thing. Millions have lost jobs We've had to adjust the way we live, the social distancing, the masks, not being able to see loved ones and friends. It's been painful. Back in early 1980, there was no pandemic going on. But as President Jimmy Carter said at the time, there was a severe crisis of confidence in America. I want to play you an excerpt of that now infamous speech by President Carter. soul and spirit of our national world. We can see this crisis in the growing doubt about the meaning of our own lives and in the loss of a unity of purpose for our nation. The erosion of our confidence in the future is threatening to destroy the social and the political fabric of America. I got to tell you, I never liked that speech. Uh, Even though President Carter at the time was right on the money. What he was saying was true. There's no question about that. We were, as a country, in a crisis of confidence. But you know what a leader is supposed to do? 
A leader is supposed to inspire. A leader is supposed to energize. That speech was anything but energizing and inspiring. Matter of fact, it was kind of a Debbie Downer. It was kind of like he was scolding us as a country, to be honest with you. And the Carter presidency, other than the Israeli-Egyptian peace agreement, was marred by domestic turmoil. Inflation was sky high. I remember waiting in gas lines with my parents, something foreign to us now. But the Iran hostage situation was taking its toll on the psyche of the country, and the Soviet Union had just invaded Afghanistan. Now, in February of 1980, I had just turned 14, but even as a kid, like, you could... You could feel it. You could feel the uneasiness, the unhappiness of the nation. It was palpable, even for a boy of that age. And on a personal note, my family life a couple of months prior to that time had been turned on its ear with the separation and eventual divorce of my parents. And for basically a two-year period of my middle school years, I had strep throat. I would get it, go on antibiotics. Then a week later, it was back again until eventually I had my tonsils out. But you know, for the bulk of two years, I was basically kind of laid up in a bed or on a couch watching TV. I couldn't be active. I love playing sports. That's what I love to do. Love to be out with my friends, love playing sports. I couldn't do much of anything for that two-year period. Now, not to sound like a Debbie Downer myself, but I mentioned that not for anything else but the sake of trying to describe the dark cloud that we were kind of under. It, it sucked. <laughs> for me personally and for the country, it just sucked, even as a kid of 14. And it was, frankly, a very depressing time for a lot of Americans, including me, for various reasons. So it's against that backdrop that 20 kids, 20 American kids, not much older than me at the time, 18, 19, 20 years of age, came together on a sheet of ice in Lake Placid, New York, and shocked the world. Now, in 1980, as I said, there were a lot of, of, of bad things going on. Perhaps you can put the Cold War right at the top of that list. I mean, this was the height of the Cold War between the United States and the Soviet Union, between the West and the East. And for those of you who did not live through the Cold War, good for you. <laughs> good for you. It wasn't fun, man. Like, the Soviets were looked upon as the evil empire, as Reagan termed it later on in the 80s. They were the communist bullies of the world. Russia was the boogeyman and the threat of nuclear war. I mean, you lived with it day in and day out. It was always there. It was always kind of weighing on you because you never knew when those commies were going to push the button. Now enter the Red Army hockey team. The Soviets basically used their athletes back in the day, and they still do it to a certain extent as a message to the world, a show of force. If you will look at our system, look at how much better our system is compared to yours. Gosh knows at the time they were injecting a lot of their athletes with steroids, but to them, this was a show of force. The Soviet communist system was just more powerful and better than any system in the world, especially American capitalism and democracy. And here's the kicker. Their hockey team was so much better than everybody else. I got to tell it like it is that red army team was better than everybody else. And believe me, it pains to, to admit it, but the CCCP from 1954 to 1991 basically won every single world championship and Olympic tournament they played in. They beat countless NHL teams. And to watch the Soviet team back in the day, it was masterful. 
Now, today, everybody kind of plays their brand of hockey today, but back in the 70s and even in 1980, the North American style of hockey was all about physicality. It was about intimidation. You dump the puck in the other end, you go get it, you hit. It was ugly hockey compared to the Soviet style. I mean, the Soviet style, it was like watching Barishnikov on ice. It really was. I mean, they weren't big guys by any stretch of the imagination. But the way they skated, the teamwork, the passing of the puck, it was such a creative way to play the game. And I remember just marveling, just marveling at how good they were and how different they were. And just to describe the Cold War tensions at the time, I remember going to a minor league hockey game, maybe when I was 10, 11 years old. And I think think it was the Providence Reds playing the Soviet B or the C team. It wasn't the Red Army A team. But the crowd was in such a frenzy about the Soviets being on American soil. And I remember fans actually throwing tomatoes, throwing tomatoes at the Soviet goaltender at the time. Banners everywhere. Russians go home. The whole thing. I mean, when these two nations met in athletic competition, it was a fight to the death. It was national pride. That's just the way we looked at it. It was freedom versus oppression. It was democracy versus communism, good versus evil. That's how we viewed it. Cut to February 22nd, 1980 now. At that time for the Olympics, we were still sending our amateur players to the Olympic Games. So the American team was made up, like I said, of college kids from Boston, from Minnesota, from Wisconsin. And these kids had only come together as a team seven months prior to the Olympics. Now, keep in mind, the Soviet machine, the Red Army team, most of that team had played together for a decade or so. So it was a mismatch of all mismatches in the semifinals of that Olympic tournament. A bunch of kids going up against the best hockey team in the world, a hockey team that had beaten a number of NHL teams. Now, I realize that many of you probably are not as enthused or energized as I am about February 22nd, 1980. But please indulge me here. The speech that American coach Herb Brooks made to his team prior to that Soviet game, to me, is the best pregame speech ever made. And I thought Kurt Russell, who played Herb Brooks in the movie Miracle, was absolutely masterful. I want to play that speech for you now here on the Inez Says Podcast. Great moments are born from great opportunity. And that's what you have here tonight, boys. That's what you've earned here tonight. One game. If we played them 10 times, they might win nine. But not this game. Not tonight. Tonight, we skate with them. Tonight, We stay with them, and we shut them down because we can. Tonight, we are the greatest hockey team in the world. You were born to be hockey players. Every one of you. And you were meant to be here tonight. This is your time. Their time is done. It's over. 
I'm sick and tired of hearing about what a great hockey team the Soviets have. Screw them. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. Wow. Forgive me. It still gives me goosebumps, man. That speech, I mean, the hair on the back of my neck is is standing on edge right now. Uh, most of you know what happened next. The American kids shocked the world. They beat the Soviets 4-3. to three. And remember, that was a semifinal game. The Americans went on to beat Finland for the gold medal a few years ago here in Orlando at a golf tournament. I had an opportunity to meet the captain of that American team that year, Michael Ruzioni. I've met a lot of great people in sports and politics and the news world in my career it's been absolutely wonderful, but I'm not I'm not that guy who's going to get gaga over meeting a famous person. I'm I'm just not that guy, but that day I felt like a little kid. I I felt like a little kid. I was struggling to get the words out quite frankly meeting Michael Ruzioni and I just told him thank you. Thank you for inspiring and picking up the collective spirit of a downtrodden nation. And, and thank you, personally, thank you for lifting the spirits of a 14-year-old kid watching that game on his grandparents' couch. A kid who was kind of down in the dumps. But you, these 20 American kids, gave us reason to shout it loud and proud again. USA, USA, USA. The Miracle on Ice, by far and away, is the greatest sporting event of my lifetime. That will do it for the Inez Says Podcast. Appreciate you being here today. You can catch me on the radio on WDBO 107.3 FM and AM 580 every day. Orlando's News at noon. I'll see you next time.